2: Kamesut Ozil se mete a Uva
0: Mayanac
1: This is Arscast Extra. Hello, and welcome to another Arscast Extra. This week, James is on holiday, so in the hot seat, delighted to welcome back Tayo Papula. Hi, Tayo. Hello, mate. How are you? I I'm okay. Yeah. How are you doing this uh, Monday morning after a North London derby?
2: Yeah, good, good. Thanks for having me on. I've just realised. Might well, have tweeted picture later, I've just realised I'm actually dressed like an Arsenal tragic by accident. I've got my Arsenal <laughs> pyjama bottoms on, and I've got and I've got my sort of bruised banana tracksuits up. Um, which is, uh, and i just hit, like, just accidentally. So it was perfect for, uh, perfect for the day after a North London derby. It
1: is a shame we're not doing a video podcast, because I think people would be, they'd be well <laughs> into that. The arsel pyjamas, the bruised banana, what a combination. It's beautiful.
2: <laughs> if enough people ask, then I'll tweet out a terrible photo later. But, um, <laughs> anyway, so we've got more interesting things to talk about than my sartorial choices on a Monday morning.
1: <laughs> Yes, we do. There was the small matter of the North London Derby yesterday. 2-2 draw between Arsenal and Spurs, and it is just one of those games uh, traditionally where... uh, I know the old cliche about form going out the window um, might annoy a few people, but the games are always close, generally speaking. They're difficult, and uh, in the circumstances, a point, uh, given the fact we were 2-0 down, feels all right-ish. Well, we have to balance that with the fact that we made um, some real mistakes in in that first half and gifted them two goals. And they are basically the last people in the world that you want to give presents to.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, as you say, the way to draw a game is to come, you know, if we're going to draw a game, let's do it that way around, right? Um, Yeah. But then you are kind of tinged with with regret, not only because of the foolishness of the goals that we gave away, but um, the fact that we couldn't then go on, you know and get a winner but as you say you know you just want to come out you don't want to lose that game because it's too hideous and especially on our own place like that and yeah we, we you know we we got out, we we got out of jail and but we got questions to ask but at least we can do them this morning from a, from a place of not so much anger which was which is what it was looking like at one point and i was thinking oh christ i have got to speak to andrew in the morning <laughs> and i am f- f- yeah, absolutely
1: fuming but um yeah here we are here we are yeah well look i mean i suppose the first thing is Don't lose. So we did that, you know, successfully enough. Obviously, the target is to win, but do not lose to them. And it looked for a while like we might lose. But let's chat just very quickly about the the lineup and the formation that that Unai Emery put out there. Everybody wanted to see him play that front three of Aubameyang, Lacazette and Pepe. I think there are some questions to ask about how how that is deployed and, you know, the, the the various strengths and weaknesses of that. But there was also a midfield three behind that. We'll talk about the front three in a moment. Um, w- were you happy enough with the team when you saw it? I mean, no, I wasn't. But it was the
2: team that I expected, if that makes sense. I mean, we wanted to see that front three. But we're talking about someone who has come across as a fairly cautious manager. So if we were going to get the front three that we wanted, there was going to be that Kind of caution and concession behind, and I think, I think that's what we saw with that midfield. Um, you knew he was going to play. I'm sure we're going to talk about him. You knew he was going to play Shaka because he plays Shaka, right? Yeah. Um, there was a real. You you thought he was. You knew he was going to play doozy because he always plays Wendozi as well. And of course that and this time that 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 turned out to be the right thing to do. Um, and, um, Terreira. Um, Is in his first, I think Torreira is in his first 11. Now, so that's what you kind of expected. It was more diff, it was, it it, it seemed to be there to kind of temper the creative, not the creativity, the kind of the devil may care attitude of playing that front three. Um, And I think that is what you kind of expect from Unai Emery. So I wasn't surprised by that, but I do think it's harsh on Ceballos who obviously had a great home debut. Yes, he struggled at Liverpool, but who didn't? Um, I thought it was harsh on Ceballos. And again, we'll talk about that, how we needed that kind of creativity. It was also arguably harsh on Willock who's kind of started well. And you do get that feeling that there isn't always that kind of what, a meritocracy mm. um, at Arsenal at the moment, you know? Um, so it was what I expected. And I had my doubts about it. And in some ways that was proven, but you know, he were. I think that he was afraid and we, to be honest, we were a little bit afraid of their, you know, of their rampage, rampaging midfield, them on the break, maybe Pepe's going to need more cover um, and so on. So I wasn't surprised that that happened, but um, I was surprised at how ineffective those choices ended up being when it was supposed to solidify the team. It's, seem to do the opposite.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, look, if I were to say to you this morning, you know, when you think about that midfield three and you talk about Ceballos and the impact that he had, if I was to say to you this morning, who would you have dropped out of that midfield? I think the obvious answer, given what happened, is going to be Shaka, right? Because that's the player that people are, are finding frustrating. And we'll talk about him in a bit more detail in, in a moment. But in terms of that midfield three... um, Cold light of day in hindsight is is a wonderful thing, but do you think maybe Sabio's in place of either Genduzi or Torreira might have been an option for Emery in terms of the way he was thinking? Because as you say, he plays Xhaka because he always plays Xhaka. and I've got a little bit of a theory about that, which I'll I'll expand on in a moment.
2: Yeah, I mean, do you know what? Yesterday, before you know, before Jacker gone, Jacca, I actually thought, um, and problem's the wrong word, but I thought Torreira struggled. Right? I don't. He didn't look he didn't look at the pace of the game. It's not for me to say whether he's fit or not. He's a lot fitter than me. And, you know, you see how they (laughs) go during the week more than I do, of course. But he looked like he struggled with the pace of the game. And he also, in a a, a more advanced position, he was being bypassed um, very quickly. And Spurs did play quite well um, at the back. You know, obviously they're playing on the counter-attack. They've always got Son there, which is always a worry for us. Um, So I thought that Tobias for Torreira... In, as you say, in hindsight, would have been a better move. And I was surprised that Torreira didn't come off at half time. I just thought he struggled in that kind of more advanced position. We've always decided that he's, you know, he's going to be there to sit. Amy Lawrence did a great piece in um, The Athletic
1: um,
2: a couple of days ago saying about how um, Terrera was chosen over in Zonzi.
1: Yeah, well, this is Emery's more. This is my theory. This is my theory about the Xhaka thing as well. It ties into that. Like, I'm not necessarily convinced that Emery is convinced by Terrera. And the fact that they have. I agree. Yeah, Yeah. that's
2: a fantastic. That's a fantastic thought.
1: Yeah, so they they had to, like, sit down with Unai Emery and say, no, we want. Lucas Torreira rather than Steven and Zanzi um, for various reasons. Obviously, one of them was the fact that Torreira was 22 and Zanzi is 29. So you get nothing back on the player in the long term if, if you sell him at some point. But I think Emery likes big players or likes physically big and imposing players. And that's why perhaps he seems willing to overlook some of the deficiencies in Xhaka's game, some of the mistakes that that occur on such a regular basis because he wants a big guy. He just wants a fucking big guy in his midfield because he wanted Inzanzi, had to be convinced, no, we're going to go with Torreira. And it feels to me just a little bit like he isn't... A hundred percent sure of using Torreira in his midfield, which is why Xhaka seems to get a bit of a pass, and even afterwards, you know, Emery was saying about Xhaka, "I'm very proud of his performance." the The, the penalty was one disappointing action, but overall, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the way that he played, and that's a, a talking point we'll come to now in a minute. But <laughs> you know, it's uh, it just strikes me that there there is a bit of an issue there with Torreira and Emery uh, from a just a trust point of view it might not be personal but it's about his own preference in midfield as to the type of player that he wants so a small active bustling busy guy doesn't quite do it for him in the same way as a tall lanky guy who can you know win headers and stuff
2: yeah i think you're i think you might be onto something andrew because oh sorry about that let me just make sure i turn that off
1: that's all right we have some you know some whatsapp <laughs> noises every now and again the podcast is fine
2: um, I think you're right because so then you have a situation where you've got Torreira on the field because he's in his first eleven, but then he's playing in a position which he's not entirely suited to, or it seems like somebody likes Ceballos, who we've been crying out for mm. would be better it would be better in that position, you know terrera. Oh, you know, a great player, and I'm not going to start denigrating him. Of course, I'm not. But, um, or he's potential to be a great player, I should say. But, um, and he has got, you know, he has got creative touches. And of course, he scored a great goal in a forward position against them lot last year. And he was in the box quite a lot. But I don't think mm. it kind of, I don't think it, I don't think it worked as well yesterday. Maybe that's something to do with his fitness, as I said. Um, so I just don't think that that three worked the way that, um, we hoped it would at home with that front three that we had and um and the link between the midfield and the and that front three um was a struggle certainly in the first half um when unai emery did that press co- um did that th- said that thing about um shaka yeah I laughed and my toes curled thinking about you. your head,
1: ex- <laughs> your head exploding at that time. <laughs> yeah, well, um, it, it sort of did, but I'd had the benefit of a couple of glasses of wine last night, so it didn't induce the kind of rage <laughs> that it might normally do. Well, you know, let's let's sort of talk about Xhaka. I want to come to the front three in a bit, but let's talk about Xhaka's mistake. And we'll talk about the first goal in a moment too, but the recklessness with which he slid in in the box to give away a penalty in the North London derby was I would like to say astonishing but not in the least bit surprising to me because we've seen Shaka. he really is just a clumsy guy you know he's a clumsy player I don't think there's any real lack of effort from him I think he tries hard I think his heart is in the right place he wants to do well you know, even when he makes a mistake to give him to give him his dues, he doesn't get let the head go down. He doesn't go missing. He doesn't hide. He tries to get back in the game. And you know, yesterday I watched him in the first few minutes of the the second half when I had half expected him to get yanked off because of the the terribleness of of that penalty concession. You know, he's head up. He wants the ball. He uses the ball. He tries to play. So you know, all of those things are to his credit. But the 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 way he gave away the penalty was just absolutely ridiculous. You know, at schoolboy level, you would be castigated for making that kind of a challenge in your own box. And I don't understand why a seasoned pro is sort of not allowed to get away with it, but but somehow it doesn't put his position in the team under any threat because this, this is not the first time it's happened either under Arsene Wenger or Unai Emery. So let me throw the question at you this way. If we can all see that this is a problem with Xhaka, that this is a consistent issue with him. It's not that it happens every week, but it happens too often during the season. How, at what point do we say, okay, we can't blame the player for this anymore because he has shown us who he is over and over and over again. Do we not have to start talking about the person who picks him in the team despite knowing this?
2: Well, you, I mean, you, you touched on this earlier when you said that, um, you know, Emery said, yes, he made a mistake for the penalty, but I'm proud of the player. So, and he's the second manager to to benefit from this very kind of um, generous attitude. They must think, and we'll come on to what we think in a sec, but they must think that his qualities outdo his... I was going to say occasional stupidity, but, in, in, uh, you know. Increasingly the, frequent the, stupidity. Increasingly frequent stupidity. But there there is also a point where then somebody does just get chopped. And I think we're closer to that yesterday. He had to say what he had to say out loud. Um, what are his benefits? He's long-range passing. Um, he is, to to to, to use the words of um the sagely Andrew Manga in earlier on he is a big fucker which is <laughs> <laughs> um which is a way of putting it he's a big
1: fucker and um he is, he and then is I'm experienced, experienced and then I'm he is sort of experienced I, in a, in a midfield with relatively young players like Induzi Torreira, Sabios, Willock, none of them over 23 years of age. So he is sort of the the most experienced um player in that group but doesn't play like the most experienced player no. no not at all and I think
2: um I, I it's certainly time the, the penalty was uh, I just watched it again just before we we started recording I mean it's the levels of stupidity it's son. it's in the box there's loads of players around it's not like he was getting off a shot it's not even a lot it's not a last ditch tackle mm. he's clean he- it's absolutely cleaned him out. And I was watching um I say you know, we sit we sit on halfway line. Yeah. Um behind behind um behind the away dugout, kind of by the where the press box is on the west stand, on the in the west stand. So trying to look past um Pochettino's increasingly Large backs, his thighs are enormous, but we'll come on to that another time. Or maybe not at all. <laughs> no, problem. I was not. watching Shaka. <laughs> I'm obsessed with things like that. You know that, yes. Uh, Shaka, um, you know, Shaka had the decency to hang his head, Shaka was berating himself. But you've done this before, mate. You've given away six penalties at five or six penalties, um, which is the most anyone has done since he came, t- since he started in the Premier League. Mm. Um, and This is, it's just stupidity, but there was one, there was a challenge, just staying with this, there was a challenge later on, very late in the second half, near the end, right in front of us, where we really lost our shit, it was like, Harry Kane was out on his feet, the plodding idiot that he is, (laughs) later on in the game, he was absolutely shattered, right? He's trotting towards the touchline, he's knackered, he can hardly move, and he's looked over his shoulder, and... Shack, I don't know if you remember it. Shaq is yeah. bounding up. It was just, it's one of those. You get loads of those, right? But it was just the stupidest foul, the most momentum-breaking foul. And you can see it coming a mile off, and you can see that Kane's... Shaq had just... He, he's not thinking about it. He doesn't know what else to do. It's the most primal instinct that he's got. And he just knocks him over. And then he just looks afterwards like, "What?" Huh? but he almost knows he's done it the minute he's done it. Do you know what I mean? He's going to keep on doing this is what I guess I'm saying. And in the most stupid situation, you know, you know, you know, the, 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 the parable about the frog and the sc- scorpion. Right? Yes. Um, the sc- scorpion, hear me out. Right. Cut. Uh, a long story short, it ends up going, you can look it up afterwards. It, the scorpion, the frog asks the scorpion, why did you sting me? Um, and they're both going to die in the middle of the lake. And he says, because I'm a scorpion. Shaka is going to foul because Shaka is going to foul, right? This is only thing he needs to do, the only thing he knows how to do. He's not going to change at any point soon. So therefore, that time might have now come. Yeah. You say, at what you know, managers keep on picking him. But that time has come, I think. And when you see um, progress on the same pitch in the shape of Guendouzi then hopefully that will hasten his departure Mm. or um, more but I I think we're stuck with him for the rest I think we're stuck with him this season maybe well the first half of this season and you hope he'll get phased out after January but I think I think he's going to be still Emery's Mm. you know favourite boy for a bit longer
1: oh my god well yeah Xhaka is basically a football scorpion Um, and the sting in the tail is that it costs us points and it cost us points yesterday because you know if you give Harry Kane a penalty that fucker is going to score it because he's a really brilliant penalty taker and I'm quite tired I have to say of us giving Tottenham penalties really really fucking stupid penalties Um, it's very 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 annoying Um, you know you talked about Ganduzzi we'll come to him because he is definitely one of the positives you know i think uh, with shaka if emery continues to pick him and if shaka continues to make these kind of mistakes then i i do think as much as the player frustrates us we have to look above that uh, and and think about you know why he's in the team to make those mistakes in the first place um we'll yeah. see we'll see what happens after uh, let's touch on the first goal before we start talking about some of the positives from an arsenal point of view um Not a particularly good look for the center of our defense. Um, Socrates came to win a header, which he got nowhere near. Uh, Louise got bypassed very high up the pitch. Uh, and that allowed Lamella through Leno with a save, which I don't think he really covered himself in glory with either. And then to compound his initial mistake, Socrates was basically unaware completely and utterly unaware that outside him uh, Ericsson was charging up the outside. I mean, all he had to do was while he was running back, just glance to his left for half a second to notice that Ericsson was there and, um, it was not great from Socrates, uh, And again, when you're in a fixture like this and it's only 10 minutes in, you make a, a fairly basic mistake like that from a long ball. That was the other frustrating thing for me. Laris just booted the ball from his own box and, and too often that's yeah. been our undoing.
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, and re- I mean, you know, doubly frustrating because it'd been after um a really bright start from us. Um and you're right about that straight ball. That was a really frustrating thing. But you know, they were they were doing their um they were trying to bring us onto them, um, which which we allowed them to do. And as you say, um Socrates didn't have to come for that ball. Shaka's there. Um he just needs to stand off it. And if if is it Kane, if Kane wins the header, mm. then um Then he's there to mop it up. You mentioned about how easy um, it was for Lamella to, again, proceed straight, straight down the middle each time. He hits it quite, he hits it, he hits it a little bit early. And, um, you know, David Priest, he said that is he was giving Leno a bit of a pass because his position, um, he says that his position made it very difficult for him to palm it out of um, um, Ericsson's path. Fair play, I'm there What? It going in with my untrained fan eye going, just put it somewhere a little bit, just don't pad it out to Impal, yeah. Um, so that seemed like a bit of a mistake, and um, and again, watching it this morning, you're watching Socrates kind of berating himself, um, after the event, it was a really, really soft goal, and we've done that far, and and that happens far too often for a you know, (laughs) a top six Premier League defense, but um. Yeah, it was it, it was just mistakes all around. As I say, it was really, really frustrating because we'd start we'd we'd started brightly and it just sucked the energy out of us. Um, and I was really I mean, I've got a I've got a bit of a thing for Ericsson. I really I really want him to leave so I can enjoy <laughs> him in the same way that, you know, Modric became much more fun for everyone when he buggered off to Real Madrid. Mm. Um, and I was disappointed to see him start. Um, but, you know, you're not expecting him to... Socrates is supposed to be one of the quickest at the club. So you don't expect... Uh, well, he's more stupidity than outpaced, but really don't expect um, to, to see Ericsson winning a foot race at the back post and being the
1: only person there where was everyone else well Maitland-Niles had gone across to cover because Maitland-Niles had to go and try and cover the um, the lamella shot so he was doing his job but I don't even think it was a question of pace it was more about awareness and for a player of his experience not to even take one glance to see was there anybody outside him is is very odd so uh, look you know they they will punish you they do have good players Tottenham and um, yeah I mean it did suck a bit of the life out of it, but it, it felt to me, you could correct me if I'm wrong here, that there was a, you know, a pretty good atmosphere inside the stadium. Um, obviously when you, you play them, there's a sort of uh, togetherness, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in that, you know, everybody hates Tottenham. So whatever happens, whatever frustrates people on the pitch, the desire to get one over on them permeates through the crowd.
2: Yeah. The stadium was fantastic yesterday. Um, and again, we want to come onto it, but um, before there was, you know, the goal before, before half time was 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 fucking fantastic. Yes. for the atmosphere, for the game, for everything, and it really was. And <clears throat> I'm sure we'll come to that. But Spurs tried to come down, especially in the first half. Um, you know, they were trying to come at us down the left so often, and they must have, um, Emery must have known that and told them that. So therefore, just 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 reiterating what you said, just to be that brainless and to not be aware of that. As their tactic, they were overloading on that side. You know, Son was coming on that side. Son and Eriksen were overloading mm. on the left all game, and they were trying to get that quick pass out to them. So for Socrates to 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 go to forget his role, his position, his responsibilities like that was really
1: frustrating. Mm. You talk about the goal just before halftime, and that was huge because going in two nil at halftime, I was feeling very flat. Very, very flat, I have to say, going into halftime. And I was quite worried that, you know, if that were the case um, and Tottenham came out and nicked another one early in the second half, it would become a very, very difficult day for everyone. But the quality of... Alexander Lacazette, yesterday was apparent, not just in the goal that he scored, but the way that he played. He really, really tried to make things happen. He tried to recover the ball. He tried to, you know, win it back from deep positions. He was defensively aware. I think it, it speaks a little bit to the fact that we didn't have that player in the first half who was able to connect properly between the front three and midfield. So Lacazette dropped deep. But, you, you know, you can not yeah. look at this guy and... Uh, see the shift that he puts in, the work rate he has, and then the the quality that he has to score that goal. I mean, the ball from Pepe, there, there was a great bit actually when uh, Pepe gave him the ball and his first touch was amazing. His second touch was perfect. His his third touch to smash it in with his left foot was, was sensational. The whole goal, his uh, precision and his quality in the box was brilliant. But if you watch the replays, before he's even put the ball in the net, Pepe's got his two arms in the air because he knows when Lacazette puts himself in that kind of position, he is going to score. And it really is the kind of goal that sums up his uh, his own particular characteristics uh, in the in the opposition penalty area where he doesn't have a great deal of time. He doesn't have a great deal of space, but he does something which gives him enough to to find the finish and it was the same with the goal against Burnley wasn't it where he's being basically pulled down he takes a couple of touches on the turn as he's being hauled to the ground by one of those um Burnley wrestlers he fires a shot in through the the legs of the goalkeeper and I think actually both the 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 goals that we scored yesterday were um what's the word I'm looking for not stereotypical but very representative of the two strikers that we have
2: yeah, I mean, Lacazette's <clears throat> strength uh, we see time and time again. Of course, you know, in footballing terms, he's a diddy man, right? Um, <laughs> but he's um, given the size of, you know, you mentioned the Stoke, I mean, Burnley defenders the other week and um, what he did time and time again, holding the ball up, you know, traditional number nine state um, vibes with someone who doesn't look like a number nine, you know, a traditional number nine or at least a Premier League number nine, right? Um and that goal yesterday, which gets better and better when you watch it, you know, it was a real... In Derby terms, it was a real... What I was calling it yesterday, it was a real fuck-off goal. It, it was a real... Sanya a few years ago. It was back in Sanya. It was RVP VP um, in happier times. Um, it was Van Persie and it was Sanya. That one, you know, the beginning of the comeback. And just... I know you've always had a thing about goals coming off the crossbar, right? But there's just... An emphatic thump from that close in is is delicious enough. The fact that the two touches before it were fantastic at that point—it sounds silly—but we weren't going to lose at that point, right? We weren't going to lose. We might not necessarily we going to win, but just sh- like shut up and sit down. Where I sit, just watch them jumping around the jumping bean thing. Watching them over there. It's so frustrating. I know UA fans are always there, but it's it's something about them doing it. Mm. And then to score, to score, you know, Sanya scored down that end, Van Persie's curler uh, in the comeback against them. Goals down that end, um, just very, uh, just delicious. And he, just before that, actually, um, the other striker, because Aubameyang, I think dispossesses Sissoko, which sort of starts the phase of play, which then ends up with a free kick, which ends up, you know, uh, with uh, the VAR shout that we never had to deal with with Roses. I think it was a handball. I haven't seen it again. Um, So both strikers played a a fantastic part in that. Pepe's ball in. um, I'm not even sure if it was. I mean, I wonder if it was meant for Lacazette because it came at quite a pace Mm. um, almost like I think Torreira was behind him it felt more like it was going to be a natural one for Torreira but he just cushions it sets himself up and buries it and at that point it had it just had to happen half time was a completely different um, beast of course it was that's an obvious thing to say but again in the stadium there wasn't enough time to 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 sink into you know the, the depression of being two down yeah to them at home and start wondering how you're going to go to work the next day you know
1: yeah 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 look at timing huge and obviously it gives you a huge lift before you go in uh, to to have time to have scored it puts you know the shits up them a little bit you know they would have you know they could have played sensible and uh, taken a two goal lead in and maybe it would have been a different game I thought it was quite funny
2: he's a real leader Andrew he's a real leader yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah absolutely you know
2: in, 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 in again, not the most kind of obvious way, not the way that say Emery wants um, Granite shacker to be, but he just kind of he gets on with it. He finds the he finds the deficiencies in the team and tries to do his, like you said, like the way he was trying to. Okay, there's a link, the link up between ourselves and the midfield isn't working, so let me go and let me go and get it, even though I'm supposed to be playing in the kind of more central role. You know, you see him kind of. Cajoling and he, and and he's he's a very good defensive forward as well, which um, doesn't always kind of get highlighted. Um, winning challenge is quite high up, you know. So yeah, um, yeah it, it was a shame to see him. Shame to see him come off. What was that? I mean, I you think were he, watching he, the commentary. Yeah. Um, what, what was it? What was the problem?
1: I think it was a uh, hamstring, but turned out apparently to be a bit of cramp or something like that. But he did de- very definitely signal to the bench. That he needed to come off because, you know, ordinarily you don't uh, take off Lacazette to put on someone like Mkhitaryan, especially given what's going on with Mkhitaryan at the moment. And we'll come to that in, in part two of the oh, show. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, there, there's, a, there's another talking point. Just before halftime, you won't have heard this though, but Jamie Redknapp was bemoaning the um, the Arsenal performance be- just before we scored that goal. And he, he thought that we needed to, to make a change. I'm just going to play a little clip here from Sky Sports. This is who he said we should bring on. You need to listen carefully to this because it took me a while to figure out who he was talking about
2: i will be amazed if he doesn't make a substitution at half-time. He's a manager that likes doing that all anyway. He has to bring on Celabassi if it's a proposal or somebody just to do something different. Uh,
1: what? Yeah, hang on. Let me just play it again. He has
2: to bring on Celabassi. He has
1: to bring on Celabassi. Celabassi. We had to bring on Celabassi. That's who we needed. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. I mean...
2: Celabassi! Celabassi. The... the, the, the the Guinean forward that we didn't know that we'd signed.
1: Yeah. Like, who, wh- oh, bless him. Bless him. Know. Yeah, I don't. Know. It sounds like uh, some kind of reggae musician. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Wow. Okay. Fair
2: play, Jamie Redknapp. What was it? um I mean, oh, what was it like on the? How
1: annoying was the TV yesterday? You never know this. I always wonder. Um, it wasn't as annoying as last week um, because I think it was, you know, if you step back from it objectively, it was a really interesting and kind of exciting game for the neutral which the commentators are basically so they, they seem to enjoy it and seem to enjoy some of the aspects of, of their performance you know they, Neville was talking about how our you know our midfield three wasn't quite right and defensive mistakes he was he was quite nonplussed by Xhaka actually uh, Neville he was talking about Xhaka saying, I've never seen anyone make as many fouls I've never seen Xhaka play without making 50 fouls in the first half and, and somehow he always seems to to get away yeah. with it which of course you know i think he was talking about in terms of bookings it took jack until the the foul that you mentioned in about the 90th minute before he, he actually got a booking so there was an element of bewilderment about uh, about jack's um performance and, and his mistakes rednap i don't know whenever he comes on i just go as much as possible because i just you know i prefer not to listen but when he when he says something like he has to bring on celibacy you, you're like, what the? What did he just say? Anyway, <laughs> we scored a goal not long a word after for, that. Know, Go on. A word for um, like I know
2: we're here for Arsenal positives, um, but just a word for their um, shit housery right? Um, to stem the tide. Okay, you can call it professional, whatever. is kind of what you expect from you know <clears throat> an Argentine coach, but yeah, a lot of rubbish niggly break up fouls that for so you know for a team that um fates itself as is kind of cricket you know a creative powerhouse if you listen to any of their fans um, then there was a lot of really nasty niggly fouls it took a long time for Lamella to get booked
1: um, I would book him tack- just because of his face like the minute yeah. if I was a referee the minute Lamella stepped on the pitch I would give him a yellow card just because of his face and the minute he did anything else he'd be off he looks acts and struts like a
2: pound shot Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't he <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. for that reason alone he needs to be booked because at least Cristiano Ronaldo is good. You, Lamella, are not. Um Harry Winks, albeit being the best player yesterday, but he got away with one in the second half after he got a, yeah, the after he got a card. Him. Um and they were, they were there was just a lot of niggly pulling and 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 uh nasty fouls that um, that you've seen given. I mean, they got, I don't know how many other cards. They stopped putting up the cards on the screen. Um, but how many did they get yesterday? I don't know. Three, two or three? Oh, I felt like it, it felt like it was more, but it was just a very nasty, niggly, for whenever, you know, trying to break up momentum, which I know yeah, is but that's what I they know do. standard.
1: But I was just very aware of it from the from yesterday. They had, okay, they had five. So Ericsson, Winks, Lamella, Sanchez and Danny Rose, um, which sounds, yeah, Rose, Sanchez, Winks, sounds like the worst law firm in history. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, look, I I agree, but it's part and parcel of what they do. And, you know, I think we have to learn to to live with that and uh, learn to cope with it um, because they do get away with it. Uh, And I think maybe Tim Stillman has made the point that because they play like that all the time, they, it just becomes par for the course. Whereas when Arsenal do it, it's not really who we are. So the fouls become a bit more obvious. But like the Winx one, when he was grappling with Socrates, if Socrates got booked there, I have no idea why Winx didn't get a second yellow. But look, let's move on and let's talk about our second goal. And we can talk about it from the point of view of, of uh, oh, we should mention, I suppose, the fact that they hit the post. Um, <laughs> like really, really hit the post. Like they hit, the, <laughs> they hit the shit out of that post so much so that when they hit it, like there was this moment, I don't know if it was the same in the stadium, but it, like, it looked to me like everybody just stopped for a second. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just silly. everybody, players, fans, everybody just went, what? And then yeah. there's a there's a moment where the ball just rebounds and Luis goes, whoa, fuck, and just puts it out for a corner on the rebound. But holy shit, that was a moment which would have probably changed the game in a, a very significant way.
2: And it really I mean you're you're spot on in the stadium it was like I don't think there was a massive amount of you know we, we were still we're still focused on the second goal there's still the momentums with us, and in the blink of an eye you know I think there's three passes like kind of bypass our midfield or bypass our defense sorry, and there he is on the on on the side, and he hit it, and you know the, the chat is one way, I just where we were, Sonny was like. Ooh, Oh fucking hell. Yeah. Oh fucking hell. Oh shit. Well that was good. And I I mean it was such it was, a, it was an amazing shot. Mm. And it was and it's more much easier to enjoy and say that because it came thumping out the right way, but it really was a case of I mean as a really loud satisfying you know Van Nistelrooy at Old Trafford whack of the post, right? Um which you can enjoy when it doesn't go in. Yeah. But yeah, um and but the, but those kind of focused the mind a little bit, right? After that, it was like, oh, hang on, it's not a procession to our second goal and then the third. It really kind of sort of sat us down a little bit, yeah. And then you're like, let's get past the corner and then we'll equalise. Um, so yeah, fair play, but it didn't happen to them. And then um,
1: and 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 that equaliser wasn't absolute beauty. It was. Well, I mean, he brought Sabayas on a couple of minutes after Kane hit the yeah. post. So I think that might've prompted that change. Um, the, the other thing I, I, uh, I just want to talk about in terms of, of the goal, I want to talk again, Doozy and his pass obviously was, was superb. There's a bit of a problem, isn't there for Emery when, when he considers that front three, because Obama Yang, when you see him out on the left, fizzing in crosses, you're going, Oh, this is, this is not what Obama Yang should be doing. This is not what he should be doing because he's such a deadly penalty box striker. His movement, his instincts in the box are are superb. As we saw for the goal, like Gendouzi gets a huge amount of credit for the for the precision of his pass. But it's only because Aubameyang is right there making that run between the defenders uh, that they can't live with. It's his movement in the box, which is so sensational. Um, but if he wants to play that front three, he kind of has to compromise in that Aubameyang has to play in one of the wide positions because the options that we have in the wide areas are not necessarily that convincing. Like, you know, Mkhitaryan came on yesterday and absolutely stanked the place out. And thankfully, he's now moving to Roma. It seems just a matter of time, maybe before we end this podcast, his move to, to Roma uh, on loan for the season will be confirmed. So you can kind of understand it a little bit from Emery's point of view. He's like, well, Yang I lose something by playing him on the left. But also my other option is... Mikatarian, really or he goes really young with Nelson or, or Smith-Rowe or Saka or something like that and I don't think he considers them quite ready for a game of of this magnitude so I have a, a touch of sympathy there but the goal he's in the middle he's playing as a central striker and Guendouzi picked him out perfectly
2: yeah I mean on the goal first of all um, I mean yes the pass is fantastic but those are really hard as a it's a straight ball as a striker so for him to find the angle from From that pass, if you see what I mean, from it w- was sensational. The way he kind of opens his foot out and guides it into the corner is such a brilliant striker's goal. Um, a lot was said about Guindouzi's pass because of the game he was having. But mm. for that kind of, you know, that goal doesn't come, of course. So we say that he's in the middle, but his run, um, the way that he kind of fashioned the fashion, the chance opened up the chance. Um, from as I say, quite difficult. It's, it's quite difficult with those kind of straight balls at that pace to yeah. um, to, to, to do what he did. But you, and uh, so, um, so at the point in the game um, when he's come inside and Lacazette's come off, that's what you know. That's kind of what we signed. That's that's what we signed him for, right? Yeah, for him to kind of lurk in that. Lurk in a circle around the penalty box, around the 18-yard line. He can do a very good job um, coming in, um, coming in from the from f- from the left. And as the st- as the season develops, and hopefully takes more of a prominent role in the team. Um, if one of the youngsters you mentioned, Nelson or Saka, comes into team later on, then um, then maybe he won't be forced out there. But equally. What, what what's the option with um if if our two best players are our two are those two um, we were also complaining last season um, when he was when when Emery was working this out and was leaving one of them out mm. so I can't really see. I can't see a solution. I can't see any other solution. Yeah, um, it is a tricky one a because problem.
1: yeah, it's, a, it's it, a problem. Yeah, I think it's a problem, uh, sort of exacerbated by the fact that the two of them yesterday saved our bacon. I think it was you know the the, the points we got from uh, the point we got from this game was. I would say, more down to the individual quality of our forwards than the cohesion of the Arsenal performance, if that makes sense. Which isn't to ignore the fact that we really put a lot of pressure on them in the second half. And when Ceballos came on, it really, really freed up Gendouzi, who had probably his best game in an Arsenal shirt. Uh, And I hope it's one of those coming-of-age performances. But, you know we can talk about him in a moment but the goals we scored i really think are down to the the their moments of individual quality rather than the product of uh the way emery wants his team to play which is still something i'm not really sure of i was going to say exactly the same thing and i think that's always going to i think that happens i
2: think we i think we're getting away with stuff game to game because of these individual moments of brilliance because those two dragged us to almost fourth last year because um, of, you know, an inspirational performance from um, game to game rather than like you say, rather than any kind of, because I still don't know how Arsenal set up. I still don't know what we are, who we are as a team. And that in itself is a worry. You know, if the front three, if Pepe, um, you know, works on his final ball and we can become as lethal as, you know the front three of the two best teams in the country at the moment, which is obviously the aim. Um, then, then you can say that that's the Arsenal person- personality. But I'm still really struggling with it, and I think we are going to improvise in a kind of jazzy way mm. each week with our two best players pulling something out like that. Whether it's them, co- to, whether it's them combining, we need to see more of those. We need to see more creative. Creativity in the midfield. Hopefully, you say Gwen Doozy going to kick on. I think Sebias is super key to this. Whether it's going to be Torreira or or Shaka alongside him, the fact that we haven't even mentioned Urzil, which I'm sure we'll come to in the second half, is insane. Still, by mm. the way, <laughs> but uh, again, more of that in a minute. But I think you're right. I think we're jazzing along game to game at the moment, with um, individual moments uh, taking us somewhere. And it's a long season to get away with doing that, you know, especially given that we're always, it seems, going to ship goals at the other end. So, um, you know, you go in, it's seat of the pants stuff at the moment. It was a thrilling game yesterday. It was a thrilling, um, it was thrilling enough uh, to see us kind of cohesive at home again. Um, Burnley. Yeah. But I still don't know who or what we are and um, hope that the manager's going to wear that out. Sometime.
1: Yeah. Me, me it's the second season to do that. Exactly. And, it, you know, it just feels to me sometimes like there's always a reason why we can't talk about this and why we can't um, have a discussion about what our, what our, uh, footballing identity or philosophy is so you know the Newcastle game it's the first game of the season lots of players are out injured of course yeah that's fine that makes sense Burnley game first home game of the season we still don't have our fullbacks you know players are coming back Pepe isn't fully fit yet. Torreira's not fully fit yeah you know blah 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 Liverpool well that's basically a write-off Liverpool you know are so good what's the point in even mm-hmm. trying to analyse the way that we play North London Derby well that's a special game you know you can't really analyse it outside the context of it being the Derby you know so when when, When is it okay to start uh, wondering or talking about how it is we're going to play and what way or what kind of football Emery wants these players to play? So, you know, it, it is his second season. He's had a big um, summer in the transfer market. The club have absolutely backed him. Uh, in the transfer market and i think it's important that over the coming weeks after this international break and you know in this in this first part of the season that we start to see some kind of identifiable footballing philosophy uh from from the head coach i don't think that's unreasonable
2: no um and you know, if 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 i was going to set myself up on the other side of the fence for that you yeah. could then then say that but Andrew, we're a month into the new season sure. when he has been backed. But Andrew, we don't have our first choice fullbacks, so we're going to change the way. Hopefully, hopefully, we're going to play because um, I'm a huge fan of Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I'm not a huge fan of Kalasinić, and um, when you've seen how you know the masterclass that we get most weeks from Liverpool's um, fullbacks at the moment. Um, we're hoping for that when Bellerin and, and 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 Tierney kind of make their appearance. So then we could say, let's see what happens then. But that still, yeah. doesn't, under, but that still doesn't allow for the fact that the midfield is not functioning um, with any kind of regularity. Um, and you could argue, again, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it in the second half, you could argue whether we have the right defensive pairing. And yeah, you've got this issue out there about what we do with our front two players, but... Maybe it's still a little bit too early, but if you know, if you have me on doing this again in November, then um, I think we can, um, I think we can get nuclear about
1: yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, sure. And look, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm really excited about the idea of Bellerin and Tierney coming in because I think they will definitely yeah. add something. But are we, are we a team that is so dependent on having two fullbacks to transform the way we play? Well, um, given that you know, um, at one point last season, our entire
2: way of trying to score was get it to Kalasinac and him to fire in. Often, more often than not, hitting the first defender. Mm. Um, given that that was our
1: main way of trying to score a goal for a while, then yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe we are right. All right. Well, look. Okay. Before we go into part two, because we've we've had a good waffle on this game, and and look, we could have won it. There were some chances. Kalasinac was offside in the build up, and you know the the, the late part of the game w- got weirdly crazy, open, didn't it? The last five minutes, it was end to end stuff where they could have scored and potentially should have. Scored, but thank the Lord for Sissoko. He is just oh. the the he's the best. He he's really good... is the best at missing <laughs> chances against us when he should score. Like his consistency, his his the the quality of his misses. He's right up there. Ten out of ten for that guy. I'm a huge yeah. I'm a <laughs> I'm a huge
2: fan of looking up in the 89th minute and it's Sissoko doing that 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 sliding nothing at the end was just exactly what you want after a really long tiring North London derby. And like you said, the space, you know, the the game was, you can't even call it stretched because there was no... It was
1: incredible at the end, just yeah, yeah, like you say, but end to end stuff. Um, Just on Sissoko, there was a great bit at the end of the first half where the ball came to him on the edge of our box, and it was, uh, you know, it was set up for a shot, and Martin Tyler goes, Sissoko, this could go anywhere, and it went fucking into (laughs) the stand. Oh, it was funny. Yeah, Um, we've we've, yeah we've seen
2: it be. We've seen it be Ericsson. We've even seen, you know, Pound Shop Ronaldo do good things at the point. So we were very mm. lucky yeah. that it was Sissoko. Okay. But look, once again, I mean, how many... When was, what was the last rubbish North London derby? We're not neutral, but what was the last boring
1: North London derby? I think the home... Maybe it was the last home one in Wenger's... I can't remember. It was maybe a couple of years ago. I think Koscielny scored for us. Or was it an own goal by that guy with the massive big fucking head Um, you know he looks like he looks like the son of two farmers Dyer Dyer Eric Dyer exactly (laughs)
2: The fact I knew you were talking about when you said <laughs> that. Is I
1: think good. he scored an own goal and maybe we gave away a penalty or something, but it was a really odd, inhibited kind of 1-1 draw. I remember it being very atypical for a North London derby. Um, they're, they're usually eventful games. Just before we go into the second half, I do want to talk about Matteo Ganduzzi and and the performance that he put in. Um, th- there's clearly a player of real, real potential in there. And when we needed somebody to step up and, and try and drive the team forward yesterday, he was that guy and he's only 20 years of age. And he's, you know, he's obviously confident and he's full of self-belief and, and everything else. But I think he deserves, uh, I think he deserves a real mention for the way that he played yesterday. It was, it was very, very impressive.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. He was um, obviously man of the match yesterday and a word you know, um, jury's out for a lot of stuff we've said about Unai Emery. And I think we all said at some point last season, he's playing this guy all the time. So when, you know, he's, he's got energy, he's got a hustle about him. He's got enough kind of... He knew it was a North London derby, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got that in him. He's got that little bit of needle. You watch him driving on the other players. Um, I think there was one tackle in the second half where he just goes steaming in and um, goes to ground needs to get the ball and does you know um, creatively um, apart from just a goal he seems to be going forward a lot more than he did last season or at least trying to drive forward a lot more so he seems to have like Added, there was one right in front of us i think it was in the first half um where he goes kind of unchallenged with the ball for 30 yards um which was uh, there seems to be more intent about him and he's been he's been arguably um front to site most consistent player since the start of the season so really good for him to to get that assist um just great to watch it i mean obviously he looks great with his hair flying behind him mm. but as a 20 year old not taking any shit, driving on the players around him and standing up to, he stands up to midfield players from the other side who have got more experience and are older than him or more heft than him every week. And um, yeah, let's hope he kicks on.
1: Yeah, all right, cool. Well, look, he was very, very good and deserves a a lot of credit yesterday for his role in in our getting something from that game. Um, Right, we had better take a break because we've got questions from the listeners to do and we'll do that in part two right after this.
0: underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company they offer budget friendly flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment the plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals so for whatever tomorrow brings United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you learn more at UH1.com one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes
1: nice dress uh, it's a
0: it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care
1: Welcome back to the ArsCast Extra. This is part two of the show where we will answer the questions that you sent to us this morning on Twitter at DJ Tayo and also at Arsblog. on the Arseblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arseblog and on the Arseblog Discord server, which you get access to if you are an Arseblog member on Patreon. Uh, as you're the guest and as you're standing in for James, who is at this moment in time, probably sunning himself in Spain, eating a gigantic bucket of ham on ruffles and probably drinking a beer I think it's only right that you get the uh, the, uh, the honour of the first question this morning
2: thank you very much so um, right I've got one here from we've got a few uh, on this theme but I like the way Dare Dibble at MKM118 puts it in light of the Mkhitaryan loan news what the actual shit splattering tit jiggling fuck was Emery <laughs> thinking in giving him a run out that the Emirates faithful would give him a fond farewell.
1: I genuinely—the uh, only thing I can think of—because I, w- I think we have to assume that the Roma thing didn't just happen after the Derby, didn't just we didn't just get a phone call and say we'd like to loan him. You know, maybe it did happen that quickly, but I, I suspect it was probably in the works. I don't think it was about giving him a fond farewell uh, from the Emirates crowd. Um, I think he just wanted a player who uh, has got energy and who can run. And Mkhitaryan uh, has issues with, you know, passing, controlling, shooting, contributing, um, and those things. But he's definitely physically fit, and I think he wanted a player who kind of matched the energy of the game. Which he which he sort of did. Like I didn't think it was a great substitution. I thought he was absolutely terrible when he came on. I would have preferred to see Reese Nelson get a run out. Um, I, I could see why he was reluctant to play Ozil in that position. You know, given it would have been his first start of the season, and throwing him into a game like that when we were when we were a goal down, you could make a case that Ozil's creativity could have been useful for us. But you know, in the end, we we got the goal. So the only thing I can think of was he didn't consider Reese Nelson ready enough to play in that game, which is which is odd to me. But. Um, yeah, it's a strange, strange decision, and it has been a pretty awful um, time at the club for Mkhitaryan. I think we had a question here. Dan Young, who's at Danny P. Young, who says, can you think of a worse swap deal in football history than Sanchez and Mkhitaryan? Um Well... I-, I know you can. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I went straight at it. I think I said, um, I know that we're recording in a minute, but the words... The words Gallas and <laughs> Ashley Cole, I think I said came out and have hit me in the face so hard that I've got stars in my eyes as I'm as I was tweeting back. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that's 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 the worst swap deal in history for me. And I know for one of the reasons, which I know we I want to say clash on because we don't clash on anything, Andrew. But I care more about shirt numbers than you ever will or can do. <laughs> oh, listen, but, um, yeah, the ten, yeah, thing- everything about the. Mm. Everything about Gallas, everything about um, him having the number 10 shirt and everything about us losing um, a very good left back, whatever people think of him, makes that the worst swap deal in history. But this isn't far behind, really, because no one's come out of this well. I just want to give a follow-up question on that Mkhitaryan one from Tom March, which is at Tom M March, saying, can we afford to offload Mkhitaryan, who's been decidedly average at best, when we've already sold another central midfielder in Iwobi, who's now obviously going to get 20 goals this season
1: for Everton, now he's found his shooting boots. All of them with his head. All of them. He scored two headers in a week for Everton. I don't think I ever saw him uh, uh, score a header for Arsenal. Can we afford to... um, I wonder if we would have sold Iwobi if Mkhitaryan had gone first. Yeah, I do wonder about that, but you know it's water under the bridge. I guess the decision they're making is a: they're getting his wages off the off the wage bill. Um, they're getting rid of a player who has basically underperformed, apart from one six week spell where I think he he played pretty well uh, last season when he came back from from injury. He came into a team which was quite tired and added some energy and played quite well. Um, I, I think it's been a very underwhelming. Um, loan spell, and I'm being as diplomatic as I can here about Mikatarian. the The thinking behind it, I guess, Edu and Raul and Emery to an extent, are making decisions not just based on the need to get rid of his wages, but also the need perhaps to clear a path for some young players to come through. So if Mikatarian goes, it probably means that Reese Nelson gets more minutes. It probably means that Emil Smith-Rowe will get more minutes. It probably means that Bukayo Saka will get some more minutes, even if those are just Europa League minutes to start off with. So from that point of view, I think they're saying, look, can these young players be worse than Mkhitaryan? And they've come to the conclusion, no. But...
2: Given that we've spoken before, and I'm sure I'd love to see you over the season, maybe speak to someone, you know, a, 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 an Emery expert on on what we can expect from him. Because you say this, but is he is he the type of person in the Premier League who's going to give these guys a run out? I, mean, I guess a, a lot of it comes, a lot of it depends on how we do,
1: how they do in their, you know, with their Europa. Well, league I mean, chances. in fairness, he did start Willock. You know, for the first three games of the season, he started Joe Willock. And he started Nelson in the first two games, so you know there is perhaps some evidence that he is moving in that direction. Even if last season he seemed a bit reluctant.
2: Yeah, I hope so. I just, you know, um, I think I think he is on the side of caution, and um, I hope I'm, you know, I hope I'm wrong. We want to see, we want to see these exciting players. Um, we want to see these exciting young players, and yeah, look. Um, I hope you're right. But just staying on, um, staying on this subject just for the um, f- for, for the minute. If the rumours of Mustafi and Mkhitaryan leaving are true, what material do we make the statue? of Don Rawal out of. And that's from Kyle <laughs> Destructible Cake at Destructible Cake
1: on Twitter. Uh, I don't know. Solid gold. I don't know. I, like, if he can get rid of Mustafi as well today, that's a yeah. fucking hell of a transfer window that he's presided over. Um, yeah, I was...
2: Pre- right, yeah, that's the only reason I wanted to mention it because they have done well.
1: Yeah, they have. And I, it seems a bit unlikely at this point that Mustafi is going anywhere because there don't appear to be any links to any clubs whatsoever. I know there was some talk about Juventus. Apparently Juventus looking to take him on loan because Chiellini's done his cruciate ligament. But, like, if you're Juventus, what is the first thing that you do if you're considering that? You have a quick word with a Mr. Aaron Ramsey. And I don't think Aaron would lie to his new club. So there's no there's no chance of that happening. Absolutely. Whose turn is it? Is it yours? It's my turn. Um, This one comes from... Bum bum bum! It's from the Discord. It comes from Tom Jones. Uh, that's not unusual. Anyway, he says, "Morning, chaps. What did you make of Pepe? Lots of promise, but lacked composure at key times. Were you surprised that he didn't dribble at Rose far more than he did after the early yellow card? Was it poor instructions from the bench or a lack of game awareness?"
2: I enjoyed Pepe yesterday. I enjoyed his kind of, I enjoyed his close control. Yes. Um, Which you know, and he's not afraid to have players around him, which um, which we haven't seen for a while. I mean, Sabahs was the same when he came on. Yes, he was lacking in uh, with uh, with a couple of final you know final balls. Really, none more frustrating than the breakaway at two two, which could have found Abamyang with Mm. a little bit more with a little bit more care. But he's gonna gel with his he's gonna jail with his front three with I'm sorry with his with his fellow members of that front three um so I thought he had a i thought he had a good game yesterday I think he's finding himself obviously i mean that's such an obvious thing to say of course he's finding himself but I think he's acquitting himself a lot better than um than a lot of players do when they when when they turn up in this league he's got confidence um so i i I enjoyed him yesterday yeah frustrating with that final ball um really frustrating with that final ball but he's also giving us a he's got he's another player on the pitch who's giving us that creative option we've talked about Obama Young having to play out wide you know um to create chances for for the rest of the team he's in that we've gotten one step closer to having more players on the pitch who you're comfortable with um going forward who are going to make the right decision he's getting closer to the right decision so, Yeah. Uh, I'm okay with
1: that. Yeah, look, I, it's been quite amazing I think to see some people really questioning Pepe after, you know, this was his first start in the Premier League, you know, uh, and it was a North London derby. I thought he did uh, quite well. Uh, you know, certainly some of his close control, his ability to hold on to the ball in tight spaces and and actually find a bit of room for a pass is is very impressive. I think the finishing uh, and the confidence uh, around the penalty box will come in time, you know. People can talk about, you know, he hasn't scored a goal yet or anything like that, but, you know with all due respect to him, better players than Nicolas Pepe have taken a while to get off the mark at Arsenal. Yeah. Um, you know, Thierry Henry took, what, 10 games to score a goal, uh, whatever it was, and Dennis, you know, it was eight or 10 games as well. So, you know, it's way, way, way too early for people to start making sweeping judgments about, um, about him as a player, about his ability to fit into the Premier League, about how good he's going to be. We just don't have enough evidence or, you know, um, performances to make... Make any kind of judgment in that regard. It's completely unfair as well to, to to start making these um declarations about how good he's going to be or won't be, because you just don't know yet. You don't know. I think that the signs are promising. I think he was better yesterday than he was against Liverpool, and I think it'll be incremental to an extent with him. But I reckon once he gets on the same wavelength as the other two and once we figure out a way of playing with a midfield that can connect our front three with the rest of the team yes then I think we'll we'll see we'll see him really flourish so you know let's um let's just fucking calm our jets a little bit um, yeah, with I- regards to Pepe there's no point going you know over the top
2: no I agree um <clears throat> I want to talk about, well, so does Nico. So does Nico. Nick4768 wants to talk a little bit about Socrates. Right. So- Socrates' erraticness seems to go under the radar with most fans for a variety of reasons. One, not being Mustafi. Yeah. Two, new player. Three, his passion. If holding comes back into the side, is it at his expense or Louise's? Do we stick with it or do we stick with these two? Um, well, you you first.
1: Um it's a it's an interesting question because holding usually plays as the left-sided center half and Louise is being played as the left-sided center half. Um you know Louise made some mistakes in the Liverpool game. Socrates made a big mistake in the uh, in the game yesterday. So it's it's hard to know. It's hard to know. I guess it depends what what Emery wants. Um Wants from his central defenders? Does he want the passing range of, uh, of Louise, for example? In which case, then it will be Socrates who drops out. I mean, I think he's he's an all right player. He's not he's not brilliant. He's wholehearted. Um, he he does like a tackle. We enjoy the shit when it's not too uh, too damaging towards us. Um, but you know, I don't think he was anything other than really a stopgap signing, two or three season signing for us. You know, he's not somebody around whom you're going to to build your defense. Um, look, I think we we have a collection of central defenders who are who are pff, capable of making mistakes. Um, thankfully, not all of them with the same frequency as Mustafi or or Shaka in midfield. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I there are limitations to to him as a player, and those will be exposed over the course of the season. Exactly. I think yeah. in general he'll be he'll be all right. He's never going to be brilliant, um, and I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to holding coming back and really putting some pressure on those two. Um, and yeah, look, it seems that Chambers is very much considered the the third choice between those two, but there'll come a point that if they keep making mistakes, Emery might have to to consider otherwise. So look, he's, he's fine. He's, you know, he's just one of those players who will do his job pretty well for the most part. And will have some moments that make you put your head in your hands.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, Louise is going nowhere for a start. Um, I don't think if, as long as he doesn't drop a ricket every week, I think he'll probably start every week. I, I, I do think that, um, and Socrates, I I thought it was quite an interesting question because of the idea that you know, because of what he's not, i.e. Mustafi, because he is fairly new and because we like you say we enjoy the shit But I think you also bang on there saying that he was never more than a stopgap. And I don't think if if the criteria is would anyone else around us, around our level, want him. Mm. I don't think I don't think he's that. And I do think that I do I do sometimes worry about and I'm sh- I, I'm shitting myself every time another player gets in the box at the moment um which leads me onto the other reason I wanted to talk about it just to mention um that I feared the worst when um when Harry Kane dived yesterday but from where we are mm. are because as I say, from where we are you all you can see is Socrates very close to you know one of the premier league's incredible diving geni- geniuses um and I just thought, there we go again, and you do wonder if socrate's reputation um will um, will follow him around um We saw the mistake he made for the matip goal that kind I just think that kind of defending um has me very scared very often, so yeah,
1: particularly in um, the var era, isn't it where he is yeah. he's a you know he's strong he's physical but he's also a wrestler a bit of a grappler um kalasinac yeah. is is similar as well in in the sense that his method of defending in the in the penalty box is to is to obstruct as much as possible and you can get away with that when there isn't the ability for um you know the 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 video cameras to fuck you over. Where you know if you do it cleverly enough, you can hide it from the referee. Um, but it's not just the referee anymore. So I wonder if he will struggle a bit with that with that kind of uh, that seismic change in how the game yeah. is refereed. Yeah, agreed. All right, all right. Uh, is it, oh, it's my question, isn't it? Okay, yeah. this one comes from Gooner for Life, who's at Whiny Gooner. And he says, in a game that could have used an injection of creativity, one of our most creative outlets sat on the bench. If you are Ozil, surely this has to impact your motivation one way or the other, positively or negatively? Your thoughts? Well, which way around is it? Is it his um,
2: Is it his lack of um, impetus that's leaving him out? Or is the fact that he's left out mean that, you know, he's... He's not bothered. It's really weird watching Özil. Obviously, they they warm up quite close to us, right? Mm. Um, yesterday, I wondered if he'd warmed up at all. Of, um, um, the guys I sit with said that that they'd, they'd, <laughs> he'd been sighted, but at no point did any fucks look like they were given. Do you know what I mean? And I know that's his. I know that's his. Um, part of his strength when he's on the pitch anyway. just, you know, he does everything in the kind of, with the Elan or the kind of Lucianist that I normally enjoy in a player. He's not a very good substitute Mm. and um, he really didn't look like he was part of it yesterday. It's very hard to do. I mean, look, Emery doesn't like him or Emery doesn't fancy him and that's where we are now. And I was really surprised. I'm really surprised how the discourse, um, how we didn't feature in yesterday's Discourse in in the build up. I hinted it in the first half when we talked about Mkhitaryan coming on. Why are we not even suggesting that Meza Özil comes on in the North London Derby? Why is that not happening?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a, a, another question um, here on the Discord and from, from Andy Gunner 16 who says, "Have we moved beyond Özil now? I can't imagine what he'd well, have been like in a game of that pace and intensity yesterday. And if we can't trust him in the most important games, is there any point?"
2: exactly my thoughts and a well put question um, is there any point if he's not why isn't he featuring in why isn't he featuring in the North London Derby at home at home as well mm. and then why is he not even a consideration for a change when we're looking to we talked about you know sobias goes on before him okay that makes sense because but that makes sense because he's got creativity but he's also got pace and a hustle right when sabias came on immediately he's rattling out a 20 yarder right to test a goalkeeper um and and then G-ing the team up while he's on his way to um to take the corner um i think he took the corner and ozil isn't part of that so yeah i think in answer to that question we have moved on past ozil and i think january january will see him January will see him leave, maybe, because he stopped contributing to the team. He stopped being expected to contribute by the team, by the fans. I think the manager gave up on him a long time ago. Yeah, But... um, the fans are getting less less angry or bemused each week and it's just kind of like you just sort of shrug your shoulders now.
1: yeah it was very telling I think in the build up to the game where people were talking about what What are your formations what formation would you pick for the derby you know and, and Ozil was not really a consideration for many people like the midfield three uh, for the most part didn't include him um you know, it is quite telling. I know he's had some issues at the start of this season um, that have kept him out. Um, obviously, that off-field stuff is is truly terrible. Another illness makes people um, wonder about, you know, his physical robustness and his ability to, to deal with the rough and tumble and the, the pace and intensity of, of the Premier League. But yesterday, when we needed a goal in the game. I think I'm right in saying that that Mikatarian came on before we scored the goal. Am I right? I think so. Yes. Sixty-seven minutes. Lacazette came off and Mikatarian came on. We needed a goal and we put on Mikatarian and we spoke about it a little bit earlier about potentially why that might have been. But I think that's telling, isn't it? That you're putting on a guy like Mkhitaryan rather than your, your, in name, your biggest star, biggest reputational star, and your biggest earner who who was sat down on the bench for the whole game. Like he wasn't yeah, even brought still, on to try and win it. Yeah, and that's it. still saddens
2: me. I'm not like um, throwing my hands up and saying, fuck off hers. Like it saddens me that our, like you say, arguably our best player on paper or our biggest player on paper, I should say, isn't part of this Emery team. And um, and given that we're not... I think given that we're not sure what Emery is or his philosophy is yet, or what his formation is yet, I think that's why um, I'm still uncertain about uh, whether Ozil can contribute to this or not. Because we're not... Is Ozil ineffective because Emery doesn't know what to do with him? Because he still... Surely he's a great player still isn't he? I don't know like, I just don't know mm. um and I can just sit here as a fan and be slightly bemused and um as um you know as the tweeter said, sorry I've forgotten his name um maybe we've just moved past having that conversation because we're trying to fit other players into the team now it's um
1: yeah
2: it's um it's it's a disappointing one yeah um I've got one here okay. um from. I've got one here from Damien McBride, DP McBride. Okay. Thinking about Shaka yesterday, thinking about Shaka yesterday, who are your top five most mindless Arsenal players of the last (laughs) 20 years?
1: Alas. Oh, my God. Okay. I think. See how many of uh, them are mine? I've, I've, okay, if you've got some right now. Okay, I think one has got to be Eboué. <laughs> That's top of my list. <laughs> top of your list. Um, who else was mindless? I think maybe at times you could make that accusation of uh, flaminy.
2: Oh, decent shout.
1: Yeah, because you know, yeah, there were just moments, weren't there, in games where where it didn't work. Um let me think flamini
2: gets a pass because of his part obviously in 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 the 2006 campaign um but you're right there was before the reinvention of matthew flamini as um it, he he was pretty mindless when he came into the team um i mean i wrote down a bit way faster than anything at all um i have a particular i've said it before i have a particular long standing eternal hatred for nelson vivas <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, well that goes way back. Um I think that's that's a good one because that moment um well it was it was the 99 season, wasn't it? At Leeds. It- <laughs> Sorry to make you cry. It- <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. It was 99 against Leeds. Um, Hasselbank at the back post. Yeah, that was the one. I'll never, yeah. And I didn't like him before. I always hated his chant. <laughs> I always hated him before. And then that moment cemented it in my mind. So he goes in there.
1: I, I think another one, um, maybe it's a very obvious one, is uh, Mustafi.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's quite current. So I haven't got him in there. But I definitely went for... Perhaps harshly, I went for
1: Javinho. Yeah, that that would be a reasonable one. Um, Who else? I'm just trying to think who else was just like a bit thick, you know? I mean, Ben, they're not quite... Say again?
2: Santos. It's hard to look past Santos.
1: That's true. That is true. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think of some others. I mean, look, there have been a few... Um, few down the years, Baptista perhaps could you say?
2: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: yeah, Julio Baptista. Yeah. Um, Stepanovs. Stepanovs. I don't know Ooh, if he. Stepanovs. I don't know if he was you know mindless, just as opposed to not very good. I think that could be the difference. Uh, that could be the difference there. You know. Um, yeah,
2: I can't. I can only ever think of Stepanovs. I can just see the ball sailing over his head um, in the six-one. Remember when they were at, at Old Trafford? Yeah. I just always think of that ball going over his head. He had a real particularly gormless look on his face, and anything good he did after that, if indeed there was any, I'll never get past again. Mm. But yeah, those are there's, there's 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 some there's some good ones in there. i will be interested in to know some more. Yeah. I always love. We didn't like
1: that. we didn't even uh, we didn't even mention uh, Sylvester, so that's good. Um, oh my god! I know, I know. I have a question here though, uh, from our Discord. It comes from Neil. Siglechner, who says, "Do you think the more uh, the presence of more demonstrably spiky players in the team?" And he cites Sabios, Genduzi, Socratis, and Torreira can help improve the atmosphere at the Emirates. Does the
2: presence of more spiky players improve the atmosphere?
1: Yeah, can it? Can it have a positive impact on the atmosphere?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're getting close to it. Can do. You're getting dangerously close to passion you know, with that, with that conversation,
1: I think, but, Mm -hmm. but, but but, yeah. Don't people respond to that? People do respond. Like, yeah, you know, you can whip up the crowd and, and everything else. It doesn't mean you're any good, but, but certainly fans w- will respond to players who, who don't back down and who, who stick up for themselves and stick up for their teammates and get stuck in and all that kind of stuff. I know it does skirt that line, but it is a, a, a sort of a visceral thing when you see a guy go in and he creams somebody out with a great tackle and then stands up and does the arms in the air thing. You know, it's just instinctive to react to that and that, that would have a positive effect on on the atmosphere
2: yeah no it does it it does um i mean we always used to say um on on our podcast you need seven right and you know you know you need seven to 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 have it i think that came from Tony Adams actually you said that you need seven people on your team who are gonna have it and mm. that does transmit you know um and you do see, like with uh, socrates and um and uh Harry winks yesterday um you know Gwendozi, our man of the moment, was one of the first bounding over there um, to get involved. That kind of um that kind of uh, spikiness is good. Not taking, yeah, not taking any shit from an opposition player you don't like. Um it does whip up the crowd, but you know, I'm I'm as I say, I'm a little bit kind of wary of that because he needs because I'd like Lacazettes. I'm more for a Lacazette kind of passion or spikiness which is yeah sticking it in there but then getting on with it that kind of transmits itself um in a kind of in, in in a leader in a leadership way and that kind of inspires me in the crowd more personally
1: yeah okay that's that's a reasonable outlook i think that's fine right
2: yeah. let's see what
1: well i've got if you if you're struggling i've got one here We'll do oh, one. Right. We'll do one more each. I'll let you get. I'll let you get. Uh, I'll let you get one there. But I, I saw a lot of people talking about um, talking about Jose Mourinho on uh, Sky Sports after the game and his analysis of it and, and apparently was being quite kind to us. Now, I didn't watch it because, you know, um, listening to Jose Mourinho is kind of up there with drinking a big cup of bleach for me, <laughs> so I wouldn't, like, um, voluntarily inflict it on myself. But a lot of people asking, uh, for example, Satya un- unad- unad- Cat. that's very difficult sorry mate but uh, he says hi guys assume you've seen Mourinho's analysis on our performance in the North London derby last night Uh, it feels as though he's bashing us less perhaps angling towards a job with Arsenal after Unai Emery leaves how would you feel about that and then uh, Marijan10 on the Discord says morning gents seeing a lot of people praising Mourinho's uh, punditry and analysis how scared are you that he could be Arsenal's next head coach I know it's a bit soon but I don't think this race is going to be very patient with Emery. What's your thoughts on that then?
2: My first thought is lol. No, um, <laughs> someone said this in the pub yesterday as well. Someone said this in the pub yesterday and um, look, let's hope it doesn't happen. I mean, he's a, he's actually a really good pundit. Of course he is, because he knows loads about football. It doesn't stop him being, you know, the massive wanker that he is. Um, so, um, and I've actually, I, I actually heard in that kind of way that you try to inhale as much Um, Arsenal Spurs stuff afterwards I actually listen especially when we don't lose I listen to the I listen to the comments afterwards and of course he makes a lot of sense Um, do I want to see him at the club? No because yes he knows loads about football but um, I think his way of his way of disruption and destruction to get results um, I mean it didn't work with it didn't work um, with his last two stints in the Mm. Premier League and I don't think um, we need or deserve that um, at the club when we are going in a different direction. That yeah. does ask the question. That doesn't discount the current regime um, from any kind of criticism. And I think it's a really, for obvious reasons, it's a really important season. I think Emery's on a rolling contract now. So I think at the end of this season, it's being it's up for grabs um, with, with, with what happens to him. But if there is a change, then it won't be. I think it'll be a retrograde step to to go in the direction of Jose Mourinho, no matter mm. how kind he's been to us now. Um, of course, you know, I mean, he's the pantomime villain when he's, when um, and of course he's going to be preventing a softer, a softer image now. Um, but I did enjoy actually him being in the um, in the studio with um, Big Soul yesterday, which yeah. uh, I like to think was some kind of um, television version of shithousery from a producer.
1: <laughs> I didn't really, I didn't really watch, yeah. I didn't really watch a great deal of it to be honest. Exactly. I, try, I try not to because I, you know, again, when when I watch a game and um, I like, I like as much as possible, you get it through commentary unfortunately, but I, I like my, my opinion of the game not to be shaped by other people's analysis before I start talking about it and writing about it myself so um, you know if you say he made good points he made good points as for the potential for him being Arsenal manager Um, I think all you can do is roll out the, the Ben Kingsley from sexy beast clip, you know, no, 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 no. Just no. For me, absolutely. No, no way. No, how, no way. No, absolutely not. No, 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 no.
2: Now, what do you really think? Andrew? No. Um, okay. So I've got one for you, Andrew. Um, from Jason Green at JM Green 87 What should we do with Ainsley Maitland-Niles once Bellerin returns? He goes on to say, surely our midfield is overcrowded with competition. Brackets is a good thing and he won't want to play second fiddle at right back. He goes on to say, would you sell him if a decent bid came in?
1: Well, I mean, no, because we don't have another right back to provide backup for Bellerin. And I don't know that you know, the contention that he won't be content to be back up to Bellerin is really is really on the money. Um, I think he probably knows that when it comes to the right back position, Bellerin is going to be the number one. And, you know, he's been asked for the best part of a year now to, to deputize for Hector. And I think he's done as well as he can. I just don't think he's a natural defender. Um but what he has done over the last you know, year, 18 months, uh, is really get a lot of first-team experience under his belt. What happens to him afterwards, I really don't know. I mean, I think for the rest of this season, he will be the backup to Hector Bellerin. I think he'll play right back in some of our Europa League games uh, and what have you. At the end of the season, then, they have to make a decision about what kind of a player he is and where he's going to play and what he's going to be and whether he's going to be that at Arsenal. Um, he he's spoken about his desire to be a winger. Like even if he was to say, "Right, I'm a winger now," he's going to be behind Pepe. So, is he just going to be a squad player for us potentially? And he might be happy being a squad player for us for a couple of seasons. And then when it comes to um, when it comes to making the next step, it might end up in a similar situation to that of Alex Iwobi. Where he goes to a club to play regularly, but because of the playing time that he's had at Arsenal, because he's a young, relatively young English player, he'll be valuable in the transfer market. So, you know, I I can look into a crystal ball. I don't think his long-term future is as a right back. I think potentially there's a midfield player in there, but... Right now I think he's gonna to have to just um take a step to one side when Hector is back and fully fit, which is gonna be a few months anyway. You can't play Hector week in, week out. So he's still gonna play a fair amount of football and over the course of the season, um, they can make a plan as to, to what he's going to be in the future. It's a difficult one though. I, I do I do it see is, that. It is a difficult
2: one, and I think he's um I think he's probably Made his future at Arsenal very difficult by being so versatile. It's interesting that you um, mentioned Iwobi, and it's a slight hangover of the philosophy of the of the former regime, really, mm-hmm. for the, these kind of super talented utility players who don't hold uh, utility is a is a tough word there. I should say multi talented, really, because yeah. they can play. You know, Arsene Wenger was very much a fan of having play. We've joked about how they all start on the left wing, right? So, um, and he's going to be kind of damned ultimately, I think, by the fact that he was been so versatile and the fact that he's played, he would have played a season or season or two at right back when we thought he was going to be first of all a central midfielder. It's interesting you say him talking about a winger. He's never going to, I don't think he's going to be a winger at the club. So, that's why I was interested in it as a question, because I love him as a player. I love the little street vibe he's got. I'm a big fan of a look away pass. He's got that in him. He seems to be playing, like he, he's got a way of playing without, um, that. he's playing in a, in a, in a five-a-side pitch somewhere mm. in East London, which I really enjoy. Um, and But I do think, but I think you're 100% right that the, by the time he unfortunately does move on, because he won't nail a place in our first 11 um He'll be a very valuable English asset, um, and we should, you know, and and I think he'll follow the same kind of um, trajectory as uh, you, uh, you mentioned, Alexey Wobe. But equally, he's got a great job to do before then. And if he's happy being um, Hector Bellerin's um, number two when he's back and raring to go, then I think he'll still enjoy a um, a good time at Arsenal. But mm. um, I don't think his long term future. Is with the club in the way that, say, some of the other youngsters um, from the academy might might hope to do.
1: Yeah, I think it, I think you're right. The lack of clarity over what exactly he is as a player um, makes it very difficult to to predict what's going to happen to him. If we were to get a bit more clarity, if you know. Let's say next summer we go out and we buy a right back, a young right back to understudy Bellerin. And then we say, right, this is where Maitland-Niles is going to be. He's going to play in our midfield. Let's say Gendouzi is the guy doing the Xhaka job next season. There's no reason why maybe Maitland-Niles... Couldn't be one of the candidates for um, a midfield role further forward, but it, you know it all depends on what he wants and what the club want um, from him. So we'll we'll wait and see. You have got one more thing to talk about just before we go.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to um, just point out that it would have been uh, Jose Antonio Reyes' birthday yesterday, and I think I was you know obviously um, a, a tragic end, a tragically early end to. Uh, to to his life. And I just spent a bit of time looking at some of his goals when I got in last night on, um, on YouTube. And, um, there's one very nice one that I remembered against Tottenham cuts in on the left hugged by Perez. And I was just, yeah, I was just thinking about him and, um, just wanted to just, just bring to the attention that, um, one of ours, one what, of ours. celebrated his birthday yesterday. So, mm. um, just that thought.
1: All right. Well, look, uh, it it was a really sad uh sad news earlier this summer when that happened and we have in Danny Ceballos, a player who has talked about following in the footsteps of uh, Jose Antonio Reyes so hopefully he can do that uh, for this season Uh, just before we go just to let you know I am on holidays uh, from tomorrow so I'm not quite sure what's going to happen with uh, a podcast on Friday, I'm back next Tuesday and James and I will record the next Arscast Extra on Tuesday uh, because uh, you know as much as I love all of you and I do love all of you um and thank you very much indeed for listening and subscribing and commenting and all that kind of stuff i don't want to spend the last day of my holiday uh you know three three or four hours of the last day of my holiday recording a podcast so i will do it on the tuesday when i get back um Tayo, thank you uh, for filling in so uh, fantastically for James. It's been great having you. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. And uh, as you know, anytime you fancy it. Sure, no problem. I will. I will, of course. Um, Until then, folks, take it easy. We'll catch you on the next one.